Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform their businesses, stay relevant, meet the needs of their customers, and do the impossible every day. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Bonnie in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what our topic is today. This is a good one. You don't want to miss any of this conversation. We're talking about IoT, Internet of Things. I have a quote from digitalismag.com, uh, produced by SAP, from a gentleman named Christopher Pudvinsky. And here's the quote. Listen up. This is the era of the Internet of Things, the IoT, and it pr promises to change our lives completely. See, I get choked up. It's so exciting. So many of us have heard, I've been hearing for a while, that Intel predicts that by 2020, hey, it's about 70 days away from right now. There will be 200 billion connected devices on the Internet of Things. Do the math. 200 billion connected devices. How many devices do you have at home, at work, wherever you are? You're part of that connectivity. Yes, the IoT is revolutionizing all kinds of industries from manufacturing to transportation, from consumer electronics, and you probably own a lot of those, to healthcare. You may be plugged in and using sensors with your doctor and other healthcare providers, and even construction. But we're going to take a step back today and talk about the real value of IoT for businesses, for citizens. You and I are all citizens of somewhere in the world. For the economy, for the environment, where will the Internet of Things have the most significant impact? And what is the rate of change of this impact, especially with ah, 5G versus 4G? A lot of interesting questions. So again, welcome. This is Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP and sponsored by Michelle Hickey at SAP. And thank you to Vivian Wong for helping to set this up. I have two very special guests. I'll tell you who they are right now and then I will ask them each to introduce themselves to you and tell you a little bit about who they are and why this topic is important to them. So first up we're very pleased to welcome newcomer Mark Albrecht, A-L-B-R-E-C-H-T. He's the Vice President and Global Head of Innovation at Itelligence. Mark, welcome to Game Changers. Please introduce yourself. Go ahead. So uh, welcome to everybody, and uh, currently I'm based in uh, Switzerland um, at the Alps, so it's uh, wonderful weather conditions here, and uh, that leads me directly to the topic when we're talking about IoT. So um, by starting the journey, um, I have to go back about uh, 20 years when, when I finished my university career and I started the first touch point with predictive maintenance activities, and no one at that point of time was anyhow talking about IoT. Um, during my career time, I worked as a consultant, and since a couple of years, obviously more than 10 years, I'm working in global roles and taking responsibilities and um, driving innovations forwards to the market. That's also what I'm running as the global head of innovation with an intelligence where I'm taking care of the latest uh, innovations which are running around all of us. Um, and that is not only IoT, that's also coming along with big data, with machine learning, artificial intelligence, and where we are simply looking into the game-changing technologies which we are running to. Beyond that one, I'm representing as a CTO of Intelligence ourselves in the NTD data family where Intelligence belongs to, and where I've got the chance to look in all kinds of industries and all global expertise which we are running 
um, in our organizations across the different industries. And the most interesting part for me in, in my day-to-day job is to transfer simply expertise which we gained in industry one and uh, in a country uh, into other countries and other industries. And I think that is the flexibility we all need to have and we all have to have in our day-to-day life uh, that we're simply working uh, with ideas, with approaching, which are not uh, mainly coming out from our core industries, but which we can relatively easily transfer. So that is what I'm doing my day-to-day job uh, and where I'm driving the innovations forward for ISIS and the organization uh, and to partners, customers, and everybody in the world to really change the game. Thank you very much, Mark. And before I introduce Karina and have her introduce herself, I have a question for you, Mark. Uh, I mentioned the Intel prediction that by next year and 2020 is we're almost, we can almost tiptoe right up to that line, can't we? New Year's Eve is about 70 days away. I, I said there will be 200 billion connected devices on the Internet of Things. Do you think people grasp that we have all been building toward this for years? It didn't just happen in the past week or two or the past couple of months, did it, Mark? This concept of being connected and devices, it's been going on for quite a while, hasn't it? Uh, it's going on for quite a while, and most of us even didn't recognize it. So we, we all have dozens of IoT devices in our day-to-day life. So it starts with the mobile phone, it starts with the television, it starts with everything what we are wearing unless we have something which is truly analog. And uh, I just read in the morning um, a newspaper and saying, okay, whenever I'm doing a journey, immediately I'm creating a digital twin as I'm using sometimes a railway, sometimes an airplane. So we all have hundreds and thousands of day-to-day IoT device connections, and most of them we are not aware of. So we are aware of maybe a handful or two handful, but it's hundreds where we are connected every day with. And that's, I'm absolutely believe that we have got this yep. that high, high amount of, of IoT devices here. Thank you very much. I, I just think a lot, people don't realize it. People don't understand that we're all part of this. It isn't just happening. Somebody putting a number on paper or publicizing and say, okay, we've got 2,200 billion devices. It's been going on for a while, and we're all part of that, whether we know it and whether we like it, and in some cases, whether we gave permission or not, we're just there. So let's leave that one alone. Mark, thank you so much for introducing yourself. Now, Karina Kramer, also a newcomer to Game Changers. Karina works in go-to-market and references of IoT solutions at SAP. Karina, we'd love to hear who you are, so please go ahead and introduce yourself. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, pleasure to be on the show. Um, yeah, my name is Karina Kramer. I've been with SAP for um, just a bit more than 10 years starting off my career there as a business process consultant in international projects for implementing um, SAP software in industrial hygiene, incident management, and hazardous substance management. So that's the environment, health, and safety aspects of companies. And back then, IoT really wasn't a topic. Um, I have then changed um, from consultancy into um, product management role and um, this role quickly evolved into um, um, an, the, the IoT area, which is where I am now looking into the go-to-market, um, making our customers happy um, and develop, developing them into really great references, which is um, a good way to see uh, in which ways they use um, technology and how they can use it to be um, even more successful. Thank you, Karina. I have a question for you. In your bio, and you just mentioned 
you worked on solutions for industrial hygiene. I have no idea what that means, and I, I'm betting at least a few people in our global audience don't either. What is industrial hygiene? Um, in, industrial hygiene um, is just another term for um, uh, really safety procedures within companies. So it's from the risks that people are, um, are confronted with in their um, everyday uh, job. And, and how to address those, what kind of measures to take to make sure that people can work safely. It's from wearing a helmet to making sure that um, only authorized um, workers can enter a certain area and so on and so forth and keeping track of that. Thank you very much. And what's your thought about Internet of Things? I asked Mark Albrecht a moment ago the question, we're all part of it. We're all part of ramping up to this 200 billion connected devices. Do you think people understand that we have all been contributing to this, whether we know what the Internet of Things is or not? Karina, what's your observation, please? Um, I think that um, the Internet of Things is, really hard to grasp for most of us and um, also it's hard to understand what um, what kind of things we can do with it like simple things like um, our smartphones being able to track our sleep mode and maybe give us recommendation on um, how to improve that and how to be more healthy and um, yeah I, I think it's hard to keep track of the options that we have um, from the internet of things. Thank you. And and just for our listeners, in case somebody doesn't know the term, I'm just going to read a, a very long sentence here from Wikipedia on the Internet of Things, and I'm going to ask Mark and then Karina to agree or disagree with us, and then, then we'll go to your opening quote. So according to Wikipedia, the IoT is a system of interrelated computing devices, mechanical and digital machines, objects, animals, or people that are provided with unique identifiers and the ability to transfer data over a network without requiring human-to-human or human-to-computer interaction. Mark Albrecht, are you loving this definition? Are you hating it? Anything you want to change in it? Obviously, it's it's something which is uh, extreme broad, and it's outlined simply that everything can be digitalized and uh, replaced or, let's say, monitored by an IoT device that exists in the world. Either it's natural or it's artificial, um, so, therefore, that quote is perfectly fine to see. Thank you very much. Karina, you love the quote, hate the quote. What do you think? I think the quote is correct, but it's hard to understand. Um, so, um, <laughs> yes. it, it's a it's <laughs> <not> <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, what 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 part of it do you anything you disagree with? Anything you would change other than the the convoluted language? No. Okay. Thank you very much. Very very interesting. Uh, very very telling remarks. Yeah, it's hard to hard to figure. It. Somebody wrote it. Some human wrote it. This is the part of the show where I have asked my guest in advance to please send me an interesting quote that has nothing to do with our topic. Not about the IoT. Not about business. Not about devices and gadgets and connectivity. And I've asked them to send it from a book or a movie or a famous person or a song, and then to explain to us live here on the radio. 
what it means in relationship to our topic. So Mark Albrecht at Intelligence is up first, and Mark sent us a lovely quote from John, John Steinbeck. Those of you who don't know Steinbeck, 1902 to 1968, John Ernst was his middle initial, middle name, Steinbeck III, one of the most famous and widely read American writers of the 20th century. He won the Nobel Prize for Literature in the 1960s. His most Acclaimed and famous works include Of Mice and Men, a novella he wrote in 1937 or published in 37, and he won the Pulitzer Prize for his novel The Grapes of Wrath. He talked about and wrote about the lives of working class and migrant workers during the Great Depression. Imagine how history would have changed if they had Internet of Things back then. Uh, I'm just making that comment, Mark. Here's the quote Mark has selected from John Steinbeck. Ideas are like rabbits. You get a couple and learn how to handle them, and pretty soon you have a dozen. Mark, how does this relate to Internet of Things? I think I know, but why don't you tell us? Yeah, so, so first of all, when, when I'm looking, and, and uh, it's quite on, uh, open and honest to have um, a really cool quote which uh, goes into the direction of innovations. And um, IoT is for a lot of people really a part which is innovation-related but they're not exactly knowing how to handle it and how to do it. And that is what I'm seeing with, uh, when, when I'm looking into, into John Steinbeck and uh, uh, walking through uh, his bio and uh, through a couple of his books. Uh, he's quite a visionary guy um, looking to the age uh, when he lived, um, and he was in a certain kind of, uh, of way trendsetter um, for a couple of things, even if the things are taking ages later, um, uh, when it really comes to commodity and, and visibility to everybody. So by looking to that one, to the ideas, it's, it's quite important to understand, to work with everybody um, after a drink, um, after a little bit of inspiration sentence to talk about a little bit of, of crazy things and crazy ideas. And what you recognize is you start to handle, to talk about a crazy idea and innovative ideas. All of a sudden, everybody starts immediately to adapt it, to get inspired by that idea, and to find hundreds of new ideas how to adapt it. And that is what feeds into the IoT arena. If we are starting what we can do with IoT, we are starting with, yeah, we can track something, we can measure something, we can monitor it. And all of a sudden, people start, yeah, but we can build up a digital twin of a, um, of a pig, uh, of a cow, of, uh, of furniture, um, of buildings, of everything. And all of a sudden, the ideas what we can do with the IoT devices and with the, with the IoT capabilities simply starts to explode with thousands of ideas. And that is what we inspired on, on, on that quote is really to, if we know how to manage ideas and if we know how to handle them in the right way, it will never stop the people to get new ideas and we are never running out of ideation processes and gives customers, partners, everybody in the world really to, to innovate and to drive uh, new ideas forward to, with, with a lot of passion. And that is what, what really inspires me in my day-to-day job. It's inspire people to think about new, crazy, creative ideas, and some of them are really coming to life. Thank you very much. I love the idea of rabbits and the whole concept that we all know rabbits are supposed to multiply very, 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 very rapidly. And I think we can also apply it to that Intel quote I keep going back to, Mark, that there are 200 billion devices by next year and probably by right now. I have a feeling Intel is going to revise that prediction. What do you think, Mark? You think it'll be more than 200 billion by 2020? Uh, I, it, it will definitely uh, get more than, than 200. And, uh, I mean, what I, what I said, everything gets digitalized, uh, what is uh, being capable to, di- to, to be digitalized. 
some of the stupid stuff as well. I can, can outline it uh, a little bit later when, when we talk on, on that one. But there's a lot of things um, which we at the moment uh, add, adding with, with IoT devices um, and which are bringing a benefit to our day-to-day life. The open question is, if we like to avoid that we are getting tracked, it's something where we are also not falling under the pattern, which are maybe recognized by machine learning or by artificial intelligence. So we simply cannot avoid it, and we have a much more than this 200 billion. I'm pretty sure. I am too. Thank you very much. And you, by the way, Mark, you do not have to agree with me on everything during the show. It's okay to disagree no, 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 with the host. No, no, no. I will not. <laughs> just. I just wanted to give you, I've had guests who say to me, no, Bonnie, you're wrong. Okay, tell me why. Anyway, thank you so much. I'll rescue you now. I'll rescue me. Karina Kramer has sent us a quote from an astronaut from the German-European Space Agency. He's an astronaut and geophysicist. His name is Alexander Gerst, G-E-R-S-T. He's a very young man. He was born in May of 1976. Oh, my. He was selected in 2009 to take part in space training, and he was part of the International Space Station Expedition Number 40 and 41 from May to November of 2014. He returned to space in 2018 as part of another set of expeditions, 56-57. He was the commander of the International Space Station and returned to Earth on December 20th, 2018, almost one year ago. He holds the record. This this is Alexander Gerst, holds the record for the most time in space of any active ESA astronaut of 362 days. I'm going to read the quote in English, and I'm going to ask Karina to read the German version, which she sent me, but I don't want to, I don't want to not do it justice. So the in English version is, I hate to commit it, but this has been one of the hardest things to discover. Karina, please read it to us in German and then tell us how it relates to our topic. Go ahead. Sure. The original German version is, uh, ich gebe es nicht gerne zu, aber es war wirklich einer der am schwierigsten zu entdeckenden Orte. And um, the reason why I chose this quote is that um, Alexander um, actually spoke about discovering his hometown from outer space, and um, this was his quote around it. So he found it very hard to discover um, the place where he comes from. And um, I think it fits nicely with IoT because the um, companies that we work with are in quite the opposite position. They are um, in their everyday business and they are trying to look into the IoT outer data space um, to see what they can do with the data that um, sensors can provide them with. And um, actually... I've experienced that they um, like to take a playful approach uh, initially to um, to IoT and um, just trying to discover what kind of data they can gather, what they can learn from it, and then develop um, their use cases around that. Um, and once they've started a process, um, pretty much what Mark has already said, the options are endless. Um, you just have to decide what you want to do first. And in fact, um, I believe that we are now moving away from, or, or generally we are moving away from this playing around and experiencing with data and um, becoming a little more mature, which is what we see um, in terms of it's no longer just the technology experts of um 
businesses that approach us, but it's more and more the CEOs that approach us um, and try to solve their um, their um, issues with the help of IoT. Thank you very much. Karina, do you think people listening really understand what IoT other than putting sensors in manufacturing equipment, let's say oil wells or, or manufacturing on a production line where the sensor will tell a master computer or uh, somebody in charge of all of the equipment, this machine is about to break down or this machine needs an oil change or this, this machine needs help or we know it in healthcare. I think you mentioned that earlier. We know it in healthcare where patients can be monitored remotely through connecting to a device and sending signals or images or heart vitals to a physician or a healthcare provider on the other end. Do you think people really understand the nuances? We're going to be talking about that. What's your thought? Is it really commonly understood? I think um, that um, some parts are commonly understood, but um, it is sometimes hard to envision what's possible in the world of IoT, um, just from the fact that um, sensors are developing so quickly. And um, I only just spoke recently um, to a colleague, in fact, and I was talking about a sensor being able to not just measure the temperature um, in its surroundings, but also being able to detect, say, um, the CO2 level and being able to therefore see if um, a package or a container has been opened or not. Um, a sensor being able to um, to, to sense the, the material that's inside a specific um, container or silo. And that's technology that's evolving so quickly that I think it's, it's very hard for people to... Um, Stay tuned on it. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Now's the time in the show when I try to get my panelists to share a little bit of information with us so that you can all get to know them a little bit better. This is not on the business topic. It's just more personal. So, Mark Albrecht, tell us where in the world you are today, please, and tell me what's your favorite drink in the whole world that makes you feel smart or makes you relax or helps you get energized or just whatever. What's your favorite beverage? Mark, go ahead. So I'm I'm currently in Switzerland, and Switzerland uh, and Italy, uh, bo- both are the countries um, where I would say the European history of coffee had been born. And um, so my two favorite drinks uh, on the one hand sparkling water, which is I know from outside of Germany, it's not very common to drink sparkling water, and it always gives me a feeling of being home, being connected to my family, to my private life, to my sport, to my enthusiasm. The other favorite drink which I have and where I start simply every morning with um, is a cup of cappuccino. And I need to tell you, um, and some of the some of the um, of the listeners are maybe a little bit honest and, and uh, upset with me as well. I need to say, when I'm at home, my wife gets every morning a cup of cappuccino served on the bed, and where we are spending a couple of minutes oh. together. So that's, oh. uh, that's our starting. <laughs> And, and, uh, some, some, some of you maybe get, get jealous here as well. So um, that, that's where we are starting our day before the kids are waking up, where we are energizing ourselves, um, where we are talking about the day, what happens, what is motivating us, what keeps us uh, passionate. And when I'm traveling, I try to do the same in every of my hotel rooms to get a cup of cappuccino to relax, to have five to ten minutes for myself, to think of my kids or my family, 
to talk about the day, to get enthusiasm of the day and where I really love to do. But I need to tell you a funny story when it comes yes. to really IoT and, 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 and that one. Um, what I said, I love cappuccino, I love the drinks, and for sure I've got a wonderful high-end cafe machine at home as well. So obviously this coffee machine has got um, an IoT device in so the most interesting part is I can see how many cappuccinos I served, how many ristrettos, espresso, everything's fine. I can start to clean it, and I also can start the brewing process. The only big problem which I have, when I start the cleaning process, uh-huh. and I want to get a cappuccino, someone needs to change the cup. And that is still a manual <laughs> process. And that shows, and, and, uh, and, and, and Corinna mentioned it. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we spoke about the engineers. The engineers digitize everything what is possible. And even the nasty things which are absolutely impossible to, to digitalize are getting digitized. No one takes a cup of coffee or a, a new cappuccino into some thing which had been simply with the cleaning stuff in. So and that, that is where, where I think we are now, we are moving up into the, into the trend environment where CEO and, and the innovation part takes over. We all have shown that we can handle it. Now it comes really to business problems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the charming story about the cappuccino and, and starting the day talking to your wife and the concept of the coffee. And I love the idea of your machine. And, yes, there are certain human tasks that still need us to do something. I think we come into that that divide, if you will, Mark, uh, when we say, oh, I bought this new such and such, but I still – listen, I bought a, a very – a rather high-end refrigerator and – it took three days to figure out which which sensor on the front to press to get the light on the front control panel to turn off after I replaced the filter. And putting the filter in required ordering it on Amazon, waiting for it to come. It didn't arrive. They sent me another one. Then figuring out how to put it in, it didn't put on the sensor that showed that the filter had been changed. It took days at reading the manual to figure out what button to push to get it to acknowledge that there was a new filter. So, as and it's not even a smart refrigerator, but I'm smart enough to be able to do that. And it was just it was just brutal. So yes, there are things that that they're leaving. To human chance, shall we say. I'm just going to let that one hang. Thank you for your charming story, Mark. That was lovely. Karina Kramer, let's talk to you. Where in the world are you today and what do you love to drink? And you can share a story with us as well if you like. Um, I'm based in Germany today. Um, Finally, um, the first thing I put down um, regarding my favorite drink is also the cappuccino. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I like it with soy milk and cinnamon, and the reason why I like it is that uh, I don't have it that early in the morning, not like Mark, but um, I um, like to have it when I start my working day. Um, To focus, um, I think a drink is good company um, because Mm -hmm. it takes a while to to cool down a little, so um, I can really sit down and think about what I want to do that day, what's highest on the priority list, and so on. And um, I also like to have it when I need to be creative. So that's when I go to a, a different place in the office or um, a different place in my home when I work from home, take it there mm-hmm. and think about things and um, how to best do whatever the task at hand is. 
Thank you very much. That's fine. That's fine. I will tell both of you that I'm not allowed to go anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, and this is my second live show today. I had a couple of hours in between. I wouldn't dare go near coffee, but I like my coffee. I I have a couple of different coffee (laughs) machines. I'm laying off it now. Mark, you can figure out why they don't want me near caffeine. So right now all I have on my desk is a, a glass of a cup of water with some ice in it, but I did switch to ecologically thoughtful silicone straws recently. I trying to get rid of the plastic straws. And somebody told me, do you really think it makes a difference? Well, yes, everybody's little bit of plastic that ends up in the ocean choking and gucking up where fish are supposed to be and water mammals are supposed to be is not a kind thing to do to the environment. So I've switched to silicone straws. You do have to rinse them very carefully and put a little brush in them and the brush gets stuck and then you have to figure out how to get it out to keep the residue from the drinks out of it. I also just bought some stainless steel reusable straws at TJ Maxx. They're very pretty and they're still in the package. So next week I will try the stainless steel straws and see if I prefer those. So that's what I'm that, doing. That, that, and I'm go ahead, Mark. That's that's perfect. I mean that that uh, and and you made a very very valid point. Everybody can change a little bit. Yes. Absolutely. Every little tiny thing helps. You're right. We're all contributing yeah. in some way. Uh, I'm also in Durham, North Carolina. It's a gorgeous sunny day. It's about 65, 70 degrees. I recently bought what I call a portable greenhouse. You put it together with some metal piping and PVC connectors, and it has a clear plastic uh, cover, very soft plastic that goes over it, and it was able to retain heat from just at 66 out. There's sunshine near the greenhouse, and it's up to 100 degrees in the greenhouse. So I'm raising little plants and probably some tomato seeds in the greenhouse. So that's what I've been up to. In case anybody wants to know, hey, the name of this series is Reinventing Life in Business with Game Changers Radio, so I'm reinventing my life. And there you go. My very special guests today are Mark Albrecht at Intelligence and Karina Kramer at SAP. They're both very smart and very savvy on this topic. And our topic today officially is the promise of IoT and connectivity, big picture, big impact. We've already had a deep dive into the topic. It's half past. I'm going to take a 90-second break now and let my guests have something that refreshes them. And when we come back, we're going to dive even deeper into the topic with Mark and Karina. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Stay tuned because we're going to be right back. Aaron out. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. In a world of digital disruption, the volume of data is endless. It's changing the way we live and work. What do you want to do with it? Get end-to-end visibility and transparency? Predictive insights? Drive operational excellence? Increase profits? Realize the digital promise today? Let's get started. Reinventing life and business with Game Changers brings you insights from the forward-thinking technology leaders who are making that happen. We'll delve into what it means to digitally transform your business from the top floor to the shop floor. We'll discuss how innovation is impacting every facet of life and business. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top innovation and strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how intelligent technologies are shaping the future for all of us. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
You're listening to Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers. We certainly are talking about reinventing life and business, and my game changers today are Mark Albrecht at Intelligence and Karina Kramer. She spells her first name C-O-R-I-N-N-A, Kramer with a K, K-R-A-M-E-R, if you want to look her up and learn a little more about a bit about her. So we're starting the roundtable formally with statements my panelists sent me before the show, and I'm going to read a little bit from the first one Mark sent. Mark will then talk about two minutes about this, and then I'll invite Karina to agree or disagree. Then we'll pick a statement from Karina, go back and forth, and let's see how much ground we can cover. So first up, Mark told me the following. For successful IoT projects, it is mandatory to build the connectivity between technology and business. Mark, it sounds very provocative. Why don't you tell us more, please? Yeah, I mean, we we had to before the break when I spoke about the coffee machine that uh, our technologists are wonderfully integrating these sensors and making sure that they're running back and forth. So leaving it a little bit that the consumer part and going forward um, into the um, industrial IoT part, um, I recognize that many, many of the sensor providers have their own platforms. Uh, they're trying to connect a sensor from A to B. They have got all the different um, kind of technologies um, running it. Um, but what I recognize as well and what, what is seen in, in the market is that other market players coming in, like the hyperscalers, this Amazon, this Azure, this Google, um, whom else we have um, from the IoT side, which have absolutely no sensor um, technology capability. They only provide the integration um, of the sensor into the data. But what is in all of that areas is missing, it's simply the integration into the business process. When um, Karina mentioned um, about the CEO topic that IoT is really um, a topic which now um, entered the, the high management level, it's something which is definitely true. And IoT is not uh, not immediately a changer uh, and disrupting the, the complete business model. It's more uh, the enhancement of the next phase um, which we are touching our business model, but it needs to be integrated in a sensible way. And it's not the way that machine and machines are simply talking to each other. It's the way that machines are talking and are integrated into the business process. And that's what, what I'm what I'm seeing at the moment, which is now coming up really that everybody has proven that the technology can work, but we need to overcome that the business management at the business process level is fully integrated into the um, sensor technologies and simply securing that we have got the machine data, the digital twin data, all of the data which we are collecting on the machine level are fully integrated into the business process and providing their benefit. And Corona, I don't know how your view on that one is. Um, and I'd like to hear it and, and to discuss it in an extremely open way. How can we how can we drive it actively forward and how technology plays in? Yes, let's hear Karina. Join us, please. Agree or disagree? Anything you'd like to add to what Mark said? Very interesting introduction to our roundtable. Go ahead, Karina Kramer. Uh, thank you, Mark. Um, I um, I actually do agree um, very much to that statement. In fact, I believe. Um, Data um, can be the gold uh, of this century, but only when we use it wisely and when we set it into business context. Um, I'd like to give an example. Um, Think of IoT sensors, um, a a wristwatch somebody is wearing, um, a worker, um, a lone worker in an environment um, where there's at least at the point in time where this worker uh, is working, there nobody else like 
a maintenance person now on an oil platform or a person cleaning a tank in um, a chemical company. So um, let's say this um, worker has a health issue, the, the one on the oil platform falls and the wristwatch will be able to detect that fall. Um, in that case, well, the sensor detects the fall, okay, um, that's a piece of information. But when we set this into business context and when um, the detection of the fall actually triggers an emergency response and somebody sends out immediately um, to, to help that worker and, in essence, minimize the consequences of the falls um, as best as possible, then this is where real value is created with the help of IoT. Thank you, Karina. Mm-hmm. Mark, yeah. anything you want to say back to her? Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, and, and, and I only want to point out what Karina already said. It's to use the, the data wisely. Um, and, I mean, your example, Karina, it's perfectly on an, on an uh, oil platform, having got the emergency covered and perfectly fine. What, what we can use the data for as well to track the people, and I think that is the in, in environment where uh, workers' councils come all of a sudden in. So it, it's really that, uh, that we um, take the relation, what we want to do with the, with the data, being extremely open how the data can be used, but also showing that we are not utilizing in the way which is maybe prohibited uh, and not useful for the, for the uh, operational process. It's really to put the worker, the user, the customer, and the business process in the focus and not saying what we can potentially do and have got any kind of legal discussion in. And I think that is the biggest, it's a big, the big challenge by, by seeing all the positive motivation. There's a lot of people which are thinking, ah, we can do it in a different way and maybe then, then we shall stop it and, and not doing it. We need to be open and to be honest with ourselves what we want to achieve the data and how to use it. Thank you very much. Good start to our roundtable. I'm looking at a statement down about halfway in what you sent me, Karina. Let me read this, and then you can respond. And I know Mark will have something to say on this as well. You say businesses are starting to utilize IoT to innovate with purpose. And you gave an example. Companies are using the Internet of Things to drive circular and shared economy business models. Karina, why don't you give us some use cases or just expand us for me, please? Yeah, happy to do so. Um, uh, as I said in, in my opening quote, um, companies have come over the phase of, of um, playing with IoT based and really using it into business context. And um, I also see that they're slowly moving away from um, efficiency use cases um, more into how can we use IoT to be um, innovative um, create um, new services to our customers, um, sometimes even um, generate new revenue streams. And when they do that, they often um, end in areas where um, we're having something like a win-win-win situation between um, um, the um, economy side of things, but also the environment and the health side of things. And um, I'm happy to give you an example of... Yes. Um, a company in the industrial components and machinery um, area um, that I work with, they have actually used um, those sensors I mentioned before, the ones that cannot only um, track temperature, but also whether um, a container has been opened or um, what exactly is inside the container. And they um, evolved from um, 
basically asset utilization, utilization, knowing where the containers are and what's exactly inside in order to optimize their um, replenishment process into um, into um, a, a shared economy approach because um, the containers that they produce are rather high-end, so they are very um, expensive. But if they um, can provide a platform um, for people to share empty containers if they're not in use or to, to rent it for just a while, then utilization is better. Um, then um, the company has a new revenue stream, plus um, the material is used for a longer time, and this is where we get into the concept of sharing economy. So, um, yeah, as I said, um, we, are, we are getting into um, companies really innovating with purpose. I like that a lot. Thank you. Mark, you want to respond back? Do you have any other use cases you'd like to share on the, the way that Karina is tying IoT to purpose, to important and um, a life-saving and, and economy and society-saving purpose? Go ahead, Mark. I, I like that example because it, it perfectly outlines the combination of, of a set of technologies. Um, the IoT, the, the device is only providing one, one source of information, what, what Karina outlined, so um, high-end um, and, and uh, really expensive containers. So if you now bring it in um, technologies for machine learning, uh, for any kind of prediction, how they are used, how they are consumed, if there's any kind of cleaning time in it, whatever, um, and exactly the point when, when we're entering that new sharing mechanism, um, we simply need to make sure that we are not seeing IoT as only one technology stream. Um, it always needs more than only the IoT center. It needs the big data. It needs machine learning. It needs any kind of artificial intelligence, uh, future technology for, for measuring points. And, and that is where the, the worlds are perfectly coming together. The technology worlds are coming together. It's, it's not an isolated IoT project. It's, it's a combined business and technology process, uh, which we are seeing. And I think, Karina, you, you perfectly outlined that, that scenario that is not only an IoT scenario, it's much more, and that is how we need to see uh, the IoT world. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I'm going to move on to another very interesting topic in your list you sent me before the show. Mark, uh, this is something we really need to talk about. It's a concern at the consumer level, at the business level, and everybody should be aware. It's your, let me see, it's your number four one. Cybersecurity is the most underestimated area in IoT. We need AI, artificial intelligence, to identify attacks. How broad is this underestimated area? How how much should people be paying more attention to it relation to the sensors, to the IoT? Mark, please expand this for us, and then we'll see what Karina has to say. Go ahead. Yes, uh, um, I, I like to just divide that part into pieces. So one is the, and, and you spoke about your refrigerator, and which may be connected uh, to the Wi-Fi. Um, we're talking about 5G, which is not all the time required to have um, the latest um, performance in, um, but um, attacks already being utilized by such kind of, um, of uh, IoT devices, which are simply used as bot to send requests to any kind of websites and maybe controlling or um, attacking any kind of, of uh, websites and having gotten a heavy load on the, on the Internet and uh, on our infrastructure. So that's point number one. So a lot of attacks um, can take place in that level. 
The even more critical part, which I'm seeing, is the um, manipulation of sender data. And it's not that we are attacking um, a shop floor and the production line um, on one day and simply shutting down the production line. That is an extremely critical situation um, which affects the company, but it's not the worst case. The worst case is if you are manipulating data for a half a year, for a year, and simply increasing measurement values by 1%, decreasing them, and simply changing the data of the, of the tenders over a long time. There's a huge impact on quality, on production quality. And for this one, we need artificial intelligence to bring different tender data and different um, uh, results of, of that um, devices uh, into a context. Um, and where the data and the senders by themselves identified if they're getting attacked or not attacked. And that is something which most of the people are not aware of. It's, it's not this one-time crash which we are seeing. It's more the slow manipulation of the data and we need to bring the sensor data into correlation. So if a change takes place, it immediately needs to have five, six, seven other sensor data which needs to have a change as well. If that change is not, is not there, we simply recognize by artificial intelligence that there's an attack taking place. And for that one, the new technology takes place and we need to consider that one and to think on that approaches how self-defending um, sensors are taking place. It's really to make sure that we connect the shop floor with the management level and have got the full integration of the business level. Thank you very much. Very interesting. It's always important to bring up that idea of cybersecurity, privacy, the integrity of data, the sanctity of data, if you will, and who can get a hold of it and the idea that data is being sent through sensors. How well are those networks monitored? There's all kinds of things come up. We talked a little bit about sensors in healthcare with Karina a few minutes ago, and that's another issue of can data be intercepted, but I don't want to get into any scare tactics. Karina, join us. Thoughts about cybersecurity and IoT. What's your observation, please? There is one aspect that I'd like to add to what um, Mark just explained, um, and that is the concept of um, sufficiency in data we are collecting and um, yeah, we are collecting and then ultimately saving um, because the census allows us to, um, to gather so much information um, and the question is, do we really need it for the purpose we are trying to build? Or are we just gathering it um, for some potential future use case? Because the more we gather, um, A, the more, um, the more storage we'll um, require, the more energy we'll require um, to, to um, make sure the data is stored. So I think the concept of um, sufficiency in terms of data is really important to to the security aspect because it relates to it. The more data we have, the the easier or the more security lacks there might be. Thank you very much. Mark, anything you want to add to that before I move on? No, perfectly fine with that comment. Thank you. Good, good back and forth here. I appreciate both of you. Karina, I'm looking at your list here, and here's something interesting. You say IoT is often not utilized to its full potential. You talk about a finding of a recent McKinsey study, and you say most of the enterprises you work with start small. Initially, mm -hmm. they experiment with data they've gathered from their IoT sensors, but they're on their way moving along three steps. I'm not going to read those three steps. Why don't you tell us what the process is to optimizing or maximizing the value of the data collected through IoT. Karina? Um, 
Yeah, well, the journey that most um, customers, uh, sorry, most um, companies take um, mm-hmm. is, as I already pointed out, um, looking at, first they tend to look into the operational um, efficiency use cases. Um, this is when they um, try to monitor their assets and make sure they know where they are, like, if you're in a construction company and there are a lot of subcontractors and you, um, um, in the past, sort of lost track of what, where your material is or whether somebody has um, or some material has miraculously left the construction site for um, whatever reason, don't want to speculate there, but uh, things like that. That's how they, how they started off, right? Uh, um, examples like uh, simple asset monitoring with the help of IoT. And then they're on their way of moving further to um, improving that customer experience or even generating new revenue streams with the use of IoT data. And the study said that um, companies are not yet there and there is more potential for IoT. Um, I would restate it and say that they are not yet there, but they are definitely on their way, moving away from that maximized asset utilization to, say, um, concepts like um, selling services rather than products. And we've seen this in, like, with the coffee machines that Mark mentioned um, earlier. We've seen that um, already, but in the industrial area, it's quite a new concept. Like, when you're rather um, selling the amount of plastic packaging that your customers are producing um, rather than um, the machine itself that would help um, a company produced that very plastic. Thank you very much. Mark, thoughts about this, please? Yeah, uh, um, I, th- I think in the, in the industrial sector, we are, we are slightly and slowly moving into that, uh, let, let's call it the consumption-based uh, um, pricing and modeling. Base. If you're looking to our consumer behavior, I mean, we are all used to it since years. Um, if you're looking into... Um, utilities, uh, energy and water sections, everything is, is since years, or telephone is, is since years consumption-based, and now in, in some of the areas it's going back to, to flat rates. That is a trend which, which now we are looking at one and, and just ignoring the technology shift um, which we are in, um, which we are used for, for ages, for decades uh, already. But looking into customer um, situations, I think what we need to consider, and, and that is a benefit for cus- uh, customers, is what is the difference between capitalization and operational costs? So CAPEX and OPEX costs, which we need to consider, and where customers and, and, and companies really can provide new assets, new models um, with a financial positive impact uh, to their partners, to their companies. Um, and I think that is, that is what needs to be and, and um, all the time to be considered. How is it financially interesting and relevant um, for the partners, for the companies where I'm dealing with as a as a producer, as a machine producer, with, and which kind of added value. So what, what I recognize is in many cases we are thinking from the technology perspective and thinking what can a, a sensor be delivered, but we need to look into the, from the eyes and the, from the perspective how is our customer, our consumer, our user maximizing and utilizing the best benefits out of that one. So shifting the perspective will really give us a new information and new insight how we can utilize the IoT technologies. 
Thank you very much. And guess what, Mark and Karina? It's at that time of the show for our predictions round. I saved just barely 90 seconds for each of you. So, Mark Albrecht, let's start with you at Intelligence AG. Mark, look into the crystal ball and tell me what you see will change about this whole concept of the promise of IoT, connectivity. We talked about data quality. We talked about cybersecurity. We talked about using IoT for innovating with purpose. We talked about all kinds of aspects. So what do you see will change between now and, let's say, 2025. Mark, 90 seconds are all yours. Go. So the biggest change I'm seeing is that uh, we're getting uh, more and more computing power uh, down to the edge, to the sender device, uh, which really provides us a chance to go into the artificial intelligence, into analyzing of of data, so making out of a, a simple sensor, making an intelligence data, which already can start to predict themselves and monitor themselves. So that's that is the first thing um, what definitely will change. And that will have got a huge impact when it really comes to the integration from the uh, technology and from the shop floor layer to the um, business management and to the business process layer. Um, what I'm seeing here as well, if we are looking into, and, and you mentioned about a little bit the industry integration and the uh, cross-company integration process, um, we will have more and more um, security and processes around data protection um, which kind of data I'm sharing with, with other companies. Um, and we need a, a couple of legal requirements and data protection requirements here um, on global level as well, because what is still open is who is owning the data. Is it the company who's storing it on their platform or is it the sensor who's producing the data? So that is where we need to, to analyze some, uh, some usability data. And the third point is, I'm pretty sure the complete user experience integration you mentioned how to handle an IoT, IoT device on, on your refrigerator, uh, um, that will totally change. So the self-learning, the self-deploying um, models for Tinder data will tremendously change in the next uh, three to five years. Thank you very much. Karina, I have exactly 60 seconds for you. We went a little long on Mark's prediction. Karina, predict please. You're up. Um, I believe that um, IoT technology, when it's set into a business context, will help companies across all industries and also leaders across all lines of business on their transformation journey. Be it um, in um, field service management, be it in asset management or automatic replenishment, getting more insights into inventory or going as far as usage-based pricing. But I also think that the acceptance of IoT and also other intelligent technologies like machine learning and blockchain that were mentioned briefly, um, that the acceptance will be much higher um, if we manage to have a broad um, societal debate on um, and the consensus on what we want to do with these technologies, or maybe even more importantly, what we don't want to do with them. So, in Thank essence, you. Go ahead. One okay. sentence. I've got to end. Go ahead. One sentence. Finish up, please. One sentence is, do we want to do everything that we can do? That's the, the most important question, I think. 
Thank you so much. Mark Albrecht, Karina Kramer, both very interesting, savvy experts. Thank you for your thought leadership. Thank you to Michelle Hickey for sponsoring the series, Vivian Yang Wang for putting it together, Aaron, our engineer at World Talk Radio. And let's do our call to action now. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Mark Albrecht at Intelligence AG, just like Karina Kramer at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great week. We'll talk to you on Game Changers next week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.